Yes. Hey, everybody. It's your host, Nikki Lynette. Thank you so much for listening to About a Girl. In the coming weeks, we're delivering some of your favorite past episodes, paired with another great show from Double Elvis called Disgraceland. If you're not a listener yet, Disgraceland tells the insane stories of musicians through the lens of true crimes they've committed or have been carried out against them. In addition to stories about other cultural icons, whether they are actors, athletes, authors, or artists. Get ready for some About a Girl and Disgraceland episode pairings featuring Beyonce and Jay-Z, Sharon and Ozzy Osbourne, Carolyn Dennis and Bob Dylan, Valerie Bertinelli and Eddie Van Halen, Betty and Miles Davis, and more. All coming to you right here in the About a Girl feed. And if you want to chat about the show, hit me up on Instagram at Nikki Lynette. That's N-I-K-K-I-L-Y-N-E-T-T-E. About a Girl is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis. Let me tell you about DMX. Dark Man X. Sometimes just X. Earl Simmons to the people who really knew him. The gravel-voiced rapper whose life was as hard as his rhymes and who never backed down from a battle. The first artist ever to drop five number one albums in a row. But this story isn't about X. This is about his first wife, Tashira Simmons, the girl who knew him since they were kids in the neighborhood and who escaped her father's cycle of addiction and rage only to repeat the whole thing with Earl before she could finally see who she was. I'm Nikki Lynette, and this story is about a girl. Tashira Simmons pounds on the door of her husband Earl's hotel room. But she knows he's not Earl right now. Not himself at all. He's not even DMX. Tashira is eight months pregnant with their second baby. And she hates the stress she's subjecting her unborn child to right now. But Earl's manager called and begged her to come with him to get Earl out of his room. DMX, as he's known to the world, has a show in two days. It's hit that point again where she's the only person on earth that can calm him down. Earl has spent the last 72 hours in his room, and she knows that means he must be falling into his paranoia phase by now. When the door opens, she smells the cooked crack right away, sees the gun that he won't put down. She also recognizes that look in his eyes as he starts telling her about the people out to get him the CIA and the FBI. She lets him talk as she leads him out of the room to the elevator. He puts the gun in his backpack. 
When they reach the lobby, it's absolutely packed. Shit. The crowd reignites Earl's paranoia. To share a praise in her mind, God, please get us to the car safely. They've almost made it to the door when... She looks down. The manager is bleeding from his foot. He tells Earl and Tashira to run to the car without him. Run! The day she first saw him, they were both 11, living down the street from each other in Yonkers. But they didn't know that yet. It was a good day for Tashira because she was allowed to leave the apartment, and that didn't happen much anymore. Not since her little brother cracked open the head of another neighborhood kid with a rock. Since then, they all stayed in, unless they were going to the mosque dressed in their full traditional Muslim clothes. Or, like today, running out for something at the corner store. Tashira stepped out onto the sidewalk and immediately noticed a boy her age a little down the street with a big black dog. An old lady was walking in Tashira's direction. The boy signaled to the dog and it jumped and grabbed the lady's purse and took off while the boy chased after him. She couldn't believe what she'd just seen. It was like something on TV. That boy had superpowers. She felt it. He could communicate with animals and bend reality to his will. As he ran by her, they made eye contact and she felt a jolt. His face said, don't say nothing. And she tried to say back, never. For years, Tashira dreamed about the boy. His face was perfectly preserved in her mind. Maybe it was because her life had been so sheltered. But she just couldn't get over him. The idea of him. She felt like one day he'd be her protector. He was wild, like a lion, and she would tame him. And soon she'd really need a protector. At 14, she was the oldest of seven children, all still in that same apartment. And then one day her mom went out to the store and just didn't come back. Everyone who knew the family searched high and low for days. Hospitals, jails, friends, and family's places. But nothing. Her dad was too depressed to take over the responsibility of cooking and taking care of the kids. Tashira picked up the slack, hoping he'd eventually feel better and help out. Instead, he got drunk and angry. And then he started getting high on crack and even angrier. She lost the sweet man she'd loved as a girl the quiet guy who smoked weed and listened to jazz. Now she had this unpredictable monster calling his own daughter a hoe and a bitch, always on the edge of smacking her. When he looked at her, he saw the wife who'd abandoned him. The money ran out and then the food. Tashira got an after-school job at Burger King and took home as much food as she could each night. Her little brothers and sisters would meet her at the bus stop after her shift, begging for something to eat. But her dad stole her pay out of her pockets when she was asleep to buy drugs and berated her if she asked for it back to feed the kids. She dreamed of her mom coming back or some magical being out of a fairy tale coming to take care of them. Eventually, those dreams were whittled down to just having enough money so her little siblings didn't have to look at her with those hungry eyes. Right in the middle of this, 
of raising six kids while still a kid herself, feeling hopeless, Tashira caught sight of him again, her protector. She was visiting her friend Ritonia down the street. With her mom gone and dad hardly around, at least she could go out again whenever she wanted. She saw him coming out the door of a building complex. It was the boy with the dog, no mistake. She pointed at him and asked her friend if she knew who he was. That's Earl Simmons. Ratonia said to stay away from him. He was trouble. He'd already been to jail and she shouldn't mess with him. Tashira found this interesting. Eventually, Tashira got a better job than Burger King and then another better job at the bank and she moved in with her godmother to get away from her dad. She checked in on the kids every chance she could and made sure they were getting fed. Once things were a little better, she was able to start hanging out with her friends and going out to parties and clubs. Almost like a normal life. At 17, she found out the truth about her mom. Someone had seen her in New Jersey. On that tip, her dad had gone down there, to his parents' house, to Shira's grandparents, along with some of his friends. The men threw cherry bombs in the window to smoke out anyone inside. To everyone's horror, a woman ran out of the house half-dressed. Tashira's mother. The rumor was true. Tashira's mother had left her dad for his father and had forced her grandmother out of the house. Everyone was shocked. It explained why her dad's family hadn't checked up on Tashira and the kids. They were busy dealing with that mess and didn't want her dad to find out the awful truth. Her mom had abandoned a one and four year old plus five other children to sleep with the father of her own husband. But at least Tashira knew now that her mom was alive. Tashira felt a tap on her shoulder. DMX wants to meet you. It was her friend's boyfriend telling her this. She was out at a club with the two of them. He was DJing. So what? Who the hell did DMX? I'm not interested. Tashira didn't want anything to do with guys from Yonkers. She wanted someone classier. Someone from somewhere else. Not some hood rapper with a name like DMX. But the guy came over anyway, and when she saw his face, her heart nearly stopped. It was him. The boy with the dog from all those years ago. They talked a little. He also remembered her from that day. He even said he dreamt about her too and had the same exact dream that he was a lion and she would tame him. She thought that was so crazy, but could tell he was serious. Despite the attraction and connection, she played hard to get for a little bit. Actually, she played too hard to get. They hung out once, but when things started getting hot, she ran to the kitchen to put ketchup on a pad and shove it in her pants to fake her period. She didn't feel ready to sleep with him yet. For weeks, he'd call and page her, but she didn't answer. Eventually, he stopped trying. But one night, everything changed. She was out again at a club, and it so happened that Earl was performing. But this wasn't Earl. This was DMX. And hearing DMX rhyme was like a lyrical assault. 
It wasn't just words coming through the microphone. It was the feeling of a train full of concrete coming at you. He was talented, sure, but he was also just different. The sensitive boy she talked to was replaced by this fierce man drawing these dark, vivid pictures and making his rough voice into a weapon. And he used it against her. His rhymes started mentioning people that it pissed him off. And suddenly he was talking about a girl named Tashira that would have fucked him. But then she confronted and tried to duck him. What the hell, Earl? After the show, she confronted him. Then finally gave up and apologized for giving him the slip. They went back to his place, but she made it clear that she just wanted to talk and hang out. So at 3 a.m., she found herself in DMX's kitchen as he cooked her up French toast and told her about his family. He'd had it rough growing up, too. His mom had given him up pretty young. All his brothers and sisters had different dads, and he'd lived in different group homes, running away and getting in trouble over and over. He didn't want that life for his own kids, but he had an inseparable bond with his grandmother and spoke about her as an angel. Tashira could tell this man loved the people in his life deeply. And he loved Jesus just as much. His faith in people and God moved her. She was drawn in by the sensitivity and intelligence of Earl Simmons underneath the violent image and lyrics of DMX. Soon she found herself kissing him. Just kissing, though. After a little while, he pulled away, looked her in the eyes and said, I love you. It was happening so fast. This was all so crazy, she thought. It seemed like something a player would do to get her to sleep with them. But she didn't get that sense from Earl. It felt intense, but right. She knew he wasn't just saying it. Almost immediately, she moved into the place Earl shared with his manager. They clicked, did everything together. At 20, she became pregnant with their first baby, Xavier. She kept working at the bank and he had given up robbing people and was working a real job for his uncle doing construction. For a minute, it seemed Earl the Lion had truly been tamed. Until X showed up. He came home one day, covered in sweat and talking a mile a minute. He started to grab the big screen TV that belonged to his manager. Tashira saw on her boyfriend the same faces and quick jerky movements she'd seen in her dad during his crack addiction. She tried to talk X down and pulled the TV away from him as hard as her seven month pregnant body would let her. She knew they would be kicked out if he did this and would have nowhere to go. Nowhere to raise the baby. She was right. Tashira started staying with her godsister, Nicole. Then the baby came. At first, Earl agreed to go to a twice-weekly rehab program. Tashira went with him, and she learned more about the mind of an addict. But then Earl got, quote, too busy. Apparently so busy that he'd disappear for days at a time. After a while, she'd only even see the father of her child maybe once a week. The word was he was back to robbing people. 
He told her he was out getting money for the family, but the reality was Tashira was feeding herself and their son on the public assistance she was receiving since leaving her job to take care of Xavier. Sometimes Earl would go to the store, just like her mom had, and again, days would pass till she'd see him again, always coming back with different, dirtier clothes on. Sometimes she went out and looked for him. On one of these searches, she knocked on the door of a crack house she'd been told he was holed up in, and her own father opened the door. He said Earl wasn't there, but he was. Despite the instability of Earl Simmons, DMX's raw talent kept winning battles and making connections in the music world. But Tashira knew there had been too many calls asking where the hell's Earl on days he was supposed to be in the studio or meet someone important. She broke down and told his managers what was really up. She couldn't make up stupid excuses anymore. His crew, the Rough Riders, said they'd look after him, keep him in Jersey away from the temptations of Yonkers. It was a relief to have some help. But between the time he was spending in the studio and the time he still spent who the fuck knows where, Deshera started to feel like a single mom. She got another job and took care of her son with help from her sisters. Still, she couldn't consider leaving him. Her faith in their love was still deep. She'd do whatever she could to help him out of his addiction. Even in his worst moments, she saw the part of him she'd fallen in love with. If he asked her about it, about whether she could still handle him, she'd always say, I'm ride or die no matter what. Me too, boo-boo, he'd tell her. But then a couple things happened. First was the incident at the Radisson, where she found herself outside his room banging on the door for what felt like forever. Only minutes earlier, he'd been on the phone with her saying how much he missed her, so she got a ride into the city and showed up in a sexy negligee to surprise him. She even called up to his room from the front desk when she got there, and he answered. But after banging on the door with no response, hotel security came up to her. The guest inside the room is being disturbed and has asked you to leave. She knew that this wasn't drugs. It had to be a woman. Her fear was confirmed after another incident when he took Xavier to Maryland for a week, supposedly just the two of them. It was not easy to get down there to the Motel 6, but her girlfriends helped her find his room and they all burst in to see Earl in his boxers and a woman holding Xavier. Shit broke loose. Her friends jumped Earl. She called the woman a bitch and went to fight her, but Earl slapped her hard and said, The girl's pregnant. Don't touch her. With whose baby, she demanded. He claimed it wasn't his. She grabbed eight-month-old Xavier and was out of there. Helping him through the addiction was one thing. That didn't feel like his fault. This, though, this was all him. Her faith was shaken. Tashira took some time for herself hanging with her friends and going on dates with nice guys she found sweet but super corny. She even got a good job at GM and started making enough money to buy her and Xavier some better things. 
It was a peaceful time until Hurricane X came crashing back into her life. There was a call from the hospital in the middle of the night, and the next thing she knew, Earl was living on her couch, busted from head to toe, jaw wired shut after having been jumped by 10 guys in Yonkers. She took care of him, blended his food so he could drink it through a straw, but she made it clear that the couch is where he'd stay. He used the opportunity to impress her. He didn't disappear, didn't even leave the house, spent his time writing and practicing rhymes. When he got the call from Irv Gotti at Def Jam Records that a meeting had been set up for DMX with the label, he was ready. Tashira sat in the studio cheering on a healthy-looking Earl. He'd said fuck it to just sitting there while his recorded tracks played for the record execs. It didn't matter that his jaw was broken. He got up and wrapped his ass off for them as the wires clamping his teeth shut started popping open one by one. Bad Boy Records had thought DMX's image and sound was too rough, told him to tone it down. But Def Jam was impressed as hell by the raw, unstoppable force they saw. Tashira was, too. She knew amazing things would happen for him if he just gave himself the chance to focus and stop the bullshit. She knew she could help. When he got a new apartment, she moved in. The hits started coming. DMX's first major label album, Dark and Hot as Hell, dropped, debuting at number one on the Billboard 200 and then going platinum. He was asked to appear constantly. He starred in a movie called Belly alongside Nas that did pretty well at the box office. To Tashira, it felt like the positive momentum couldn't be stopped. The light shining on Earl would take over and keep him from returning to that dark place he'd come out of. So when he talked about finally getting married, she said yes. Tashira had her dream wedding on August 9th, 1999. It was star-studded with East Coast hip-hop greats like Jay-Z, Ja Rule, Nas, and Russell Simmons, and they had a blissful honeymoon in the Bahamas. They even cemented things with matching tattoos. Property of Tashira Simmons and property of Earl Simmons. With the fame, the money started coming in. For the first time, Tashira didn't need a job or to worry about money at all. Promoters were paying 100K per show and then 200K per show to have DMX perform. Hollywood was offering him a million per movie. She started buying furniture and decorating the new house they bought. He started buying cars for both of them. Yet, all the positive things, all the love Earl was receiving couldn't stop his addiction from creeping back. Soon enough, she was banging on hotel room doors again as her husband was back to his disappearing act. He started missing important days, like Xavier's middle school graduation. He always disappeared right before Thanksgiving, every year. The next few years saw four more number one albums, while Tashira saw Earl's personality change just like her dad's had. X was here to stay. He was calling her a bitch and a hoe and telling her to shut up when she tried to help him, blaming his problems on her. 
She tried to get him into rehab a few more times. The first time, he lasted two days. He became paranoid all the time, hallucinating. One time, she woke up from a nap with a gun pointed in her face. The legal problems piled up. Paternity, child support for kids with other women, the accidental shooting case from the hotel. He was arrested for impersonating an FBI agent during one paranoid delusion. Tashira felt like she was failing him. But if she stuck it out, he had to get better eventually. And she kept her faith in him because somehow, beneath all that violence and instability, his sensitivity and intelligence still shone through sometimes. Those same qualities that made him so amazing, she thought, were probably what made him so susceptible to the addiction in the first place. Earl claimed to have been raped by the first woman to come forward with a child he refused to acknowledge or financially support. She was suing for child support and others would follow her. Four more women came forward with babies, alleging his paternity. Tashira tried to ignore it all. At some point, she started to feel like she was just sleepwalking through her life. It all seemed so unreal, the highs and the lows, and she felt trapped. Because without him, what was she? She hadn't worked in years, had no degree, no career, and now four kids to take care of. What could she do besides try to ride it out? A breaking point came when they were living in a new house in Arizona. Earl suddenly said she wasn't the woman he married, called her a bitch and a hoe in front of Xavier, and left on a flight back to New York. When he came back, she finally stood up to him. Finally said nothing is worth the infidelity and the endless disrespect. She wanted him out of her life. Witnessing the exchange, her nanny and Xavier applauded her. Earl had the balls to come back and say that the girl he was fucking believed in him, that she thought he could kick his drug habit, while Tashera was giving up on him. She'd been trying to help him for 20 goddamn years at this point, sacrificing herself, her dignity, putting her children at risk, doing whatever she could to help him, this man that was supposed to be her protector. You can go be with that girl, she told him. And then he was gone. With Earl gone, Tashira had some space to think. She got in touch with God, went to counseling, realized she was blaming herself for the infidelity. For an entire year, she didn't admit to her family she'd separated and just used her own secret stash of money she'd saved to live on. A letter came in the mail. The mortgage on the house in Westchester, where she lived with their four kids, hadn't been paid. Earl had his accountant cut her and the kids off completely. She kept in touch with some of the people who DMX worked with in music. And from them, she learned about dozens of other women he'd been involved with. With some pity, they told her that Earl had put up girls in hotel rooms next to the ones for Tashira and the kids, fronting them as record label employees or girlfriends or friends. She found out that she had even hosted some of these women in her house and cooked for them. With revulsion, she realized he'd had an entire separate life. Getting closer to God had given her peace. 
she met a prophet who whispered in her ear, God told me to tell you this job is too big for you. You have to give this job to God. She knew the job was protecting Earl. The strength to truly move on started to find her. After three full years of telling him it was over, refusing to let him into the house, he finally seemed to get it, and they started talking about making the divorce official. But Earl never would actually sign the paperwork. And still, she felt adrift without him. They had gotten together so young, she didn't know what she even liked to wear or eat or what TV shows she wanted to watch. Everything had been to please him for so long. She stopped wearing the baggy, figure-hiding clothes he wanted her to wear, making her look like a female DMX, and bought some feminine outfits, filling herself in dresses and tight jeans. She agreed to appear with Earl on the VH1 show Couples Therapy. On air, he tried to blame their problems on her. He promised to split the money he'd get from the TV appearance with her, but he didn't. Without the support of her millionaire husband, Tashira was dead broke. Soon, the mortgage on the house hadn't been paid in years. Her car was repossessed, and she was on welfare again to support the kids, praying that they'd receive another extension before the house was foreclosed on. On Father's Day, she invited Earl over to be with his kids. He had the nerve to bring a girlfriend with them. She kicked him out again, permanently, calling him a crackhead in front of the kids but she felt good about it. It was the truth and they should know it. And he called her worse in front of them. The dozen or so arrests he'd started piling up in the past couple years for drugs, reckless driving, parole violations, DUIs, tax evasion, and just about every bad decision one could make cemented her decision to finally make the separation public. Not one more minute of pain was worth hiding. It took a couple more years and another TV appearance before the divorce was finalized in 2013. Tashira, Earl, and Xavier all went on the Oprah Network show Fix My Life. Host Ayanla Van Zant helped Tashira and Xavier confront their pain and release it by forgiving the man they thought they never could and leaving the past in the past. By some miracle, Tashira's father came back into her life. She once again had the loving man that she had missed for decades. He wanted to be around for her kids in the way he wasn't while she was raising her own siblings. He became a real father figure while Earl was absent. Tashira finally met a guy who treated her well, too. She was scared to tell him who her ex was, but when he found out, he didn't let it change his opinion of her. Despite some ongoing financial insecurity, Life was okay. On April 2nd, 2021, Earl Simmons was rushed to the hospital after a heart attack. A week later, on April 9th, he was pronounced dead at age 50. Tashira couldn't believe the news. She talked to him recently, and he seemed healthier than he had in a long while. On April 24th, a memorial was held at Brooklyn's Barclays Center for DMX. Thousands of people gathered outside to pay their respects. A red casket was transported on a monster truck from Yonkers to Brooklyn 
while the NYPD temporarily shut down highways to escort one of New York's greatest rappers. Inside, Tashira, dressed in a white suit and hat, took the stage in front of hundreds. She told the story of their meeting at 11 and again at 18. She called him a prophet and described how seeing his faith moved her to convert from Islam to Christianity. She described a man who never felt he deserved the love he was given, but that she couldn't stop having faith in him. She admitted he wasn't perfect, and that when he turned into X, things got scary, but all was forgiven. I love the soul of that man, she said. Earl is and always will be my first love. He was my heart and soul. He was my everything, my childhood sweetheart. And in some crazy way, I feel like he's prepared me for this moment. Tashira described the deep love Earl had for his children. She took the opportunity to not only acknowledge the kids they had together, but all of his children, no matter who their mothers were. And as she left the stage, she told Desiree, the woman her ex-husband had been engaged to at the time of his death, that she loved her too. This woman in white who could find love for everyone seemed like a prophet herself. The people in the audience were moved by Tashira's words. They cried for the man that had never compromised on who he was, never forgot where he came from, never tried to put on some phony celebrity image no matter how big he got. Earl Simmons had been real to the end, for better or worse. But this isn't about Earl, or DMX, or X. This is about Tashira Simmons, who showed that time spent loving someone, having faith in someone, being a soulmate, is never time wasted, no matter how flawed that human being may be, because loving the soul of someone reveals your own. It makes you divine. This is about a girl. About a Girl is produced by Scott Janovitz and executive produced by Jake Brennan and Brady Sattler for Double Elvis. The show was created by Eleanor Wells and hosted by me, Nikki Lynette. This episode was written by Chelsea Erson. For sources used in this episode, go to aboutagirlpod.com. Music by Scott Janovitz and Matt Tahaney with additional music and score elements by Ryan Spraker. The show is on Instagram at aboutagirlpod, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nikki Lynette.